Come on, crack it. Come on, crack it. Where are you? All right. Stone, Ira M. Purpose of your visit to Nicaragua, Mr. Stone? Tourism. And your previous international trips? Tourism also? Yes. Uh -huh. Pick some unusual places to visit. Anything to declare? Nope. I see. Open your bags, please. Oh, man. What are these? Videos of my trip. I'm going to have to detain them until they can be viewed. You can't do that. It'll take four days. We're looking for copyright violations, pirated films, pornography. Lady, I smell Big Brother. No. You smell yourself. Take a bath, Mr. Stone. You may go. This is the Vice of Miami podcast, where your hosts, Mark and Tim, review the iconic TV show Miami Vice. Set against the backdrop of Miami's vibrant nightlife and drug trade, Miami Vice followed Detectives Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs and the entire OCB team as they battled the scourge of the mid and late 80s. With its unforgettable characters, stylish fashion, and epic soundtrack, Miami Vice captured the spirit of the times and left a lasting impact on popular culture. Join us as we dive deep into the world of Miami Vice and explore the show's enduring legacy. With that, welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 50. Mark and I are always glad you're joining us. We hope you enjoyed our last show covering When Irish Eyes Are Crying. So as always, sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy the Vice of Miami podcast covering Season 3, Episode 2, Stone's War. And Tim, my beverage of choice is Sun Tea, first pitcher for the year. Very nice. All right, this episode's written by David Jackson, and he also directed it as well. The original air date is October 3rd, 1986, and it's the 46th episode overall. And our plot summary here, when Ira Stone films a video of American forces on illegal operations in South America, Crockett must protect him from their old nemesis, Maynard, who will stop at nothing to silence Stone. And a Dick Wolf point here on his ripped from the headlines focus. In this particular episode, the ongoing Contra rebellion against the Sandinistas was paralleled here as a private group of freedom fighters are sent to help the rebels because U.S. Congress forbade direct aid to the Contras in 1985. And that uh, congressional action led was leading to the Iran-Contra scandal. Let's cover our guest stars and the co-stars. First up, we have Bob Balaban returning as Ira Stone. We covered his accolades in Season 2, Episode 10, Back in the World. And our next guest star is G. Gordon Liddy, reprising his role as William Maynard, also known as Captain Real Estate. He was also covered in Back in the World. And rounding out our guest stars, we have Lynette McKee as Alicia Mania. Born July 22, 1954 in Detroit, Michigan, McKee's career began in the music business in Detroit as a child prodigy, where she started writing music and lyrics, singing and playing keyboards, and performing at the age of seven. She then made her film debut in 1976 in Sparkle, 
alongside Philip Michael Thomas. McKee made her TV debut in 1985 with an appearance in The Equalizer. A few films also include Which Way Is Up, Cuba, Cotton Club, good movie, Malcolm X, and Jungle Fever. She also appeared on stage in First and Showboat, to name a few. She was married to a youth counselor, Leo Compton, from 83 to 90 when they divorced. McKee is also an animal lover, known to intuit and communicate with birds. And Mark, our co-stars for this episode is Raymond Forshawn as O'Hara, Eduardo Kobe as Federal Judge Ed Zarvo, Dave Corey as Bittenhouse, Jody Wilson as the customs agent, and Vince Casta Diamante as Father Joseph Mattingly. And now we have some Miami Vice in the news here. Mark, I found in a Google search that Bob Balaban, Ira Stone, will be appearing in the science fiction romantic comedy drama Asteroid City, which is set to have its American release on June 16th, 2023. It sounds very interesting. A sci-fi rom-com drama. Yeah, well, they come I had up- to look. I had to look it up. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, but yeah, I did a look. Looked it up and found it somewhere in an article as well as on Wikipedia. All right, now we're going to be begin the discussion portion of this episode for Stone's War begins in a small dirt town in Nicaragua where we see the soldiers bombing and overrunning the citizens of this community. Crockett's friend Ira Stone and a photographer are capturing this battle on a home video recorder. In this battle, a missionary priest is killed along with Stone's photographer. Stone abandons the photographer despite his pleas for help. This was very, I don't want to say quick because it came in in like three and a half minutes, but it was a very simple scene. I mean, I mean, it was of what was going on. A lot of boom, 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 boom. I mean, it was mm, just right. a lot of being under fire. Ira, his his uh, photographer, they were, they were consistently under fire, and you know, obviously, Stone abandoned him probably because of his injuries. But if he didn't leave, he would have been uh, he would have been cut cut down as well. Yep. So now we move along back to the States here at Miami International Airport. And this is where we find Stone arriving through Customs, uh, looking for Crockett, who's there to meet him. When he gets to Customs, the agent questions why he visited Nicaragua. And it appears kind of in the background, there's two uh, two guys who are feds that are watching him. Custom agent says that his video films are confiscated until the contents can be determined of what they are. Looking for copyright, infringement, porn, stuff like that. He's like, this is Big Brother. You can't do this. Stone's, Stone is told that they're going to be returned if everything checks out fine. He uh, th- says that they're pretty much overreaching their authority, but whatever goes, I guess. The feds are still following him as Crockett meets up with Stone. And Crockett here is in between vehicles. If you remember last episode, his spider got blowed up real good. He's now driving a classic uh, flatbed Chevy truck um, as they leave Miami uh, Airport. Stone pulls out a tape and tells Crockett that it contains footage of U.S. troops fighting in Nicaragua. Now, I thought this truck was kind of awesome. Were they going to stick with it? But it just didn't look right at the end. Who knows? We find out in a little bit here. Yes, we do. (laughs) What Crockett's little words to uh, Castillo. So now the episode moves along to the St. Vitus dance where Stone is showing Crockett the footage through the camera's viewfinder. Crockett 
is skeptical, has doubt as to whether the film is real. Stone tells him that as he left Managua, he was told he would need professional protection. So who's the first person he thought of? Crockett. He explains the town of Ascension, which was not even on the map, was overrun by American troops. Crockett says this film is fake as he does not believe Stone caught this action on a home movie camera when other media are also present in Nicaragua and only he was he's the only one that knew of this town. He tells Crockett about the federal goons who were following him at the airport and he believes they are going to silence him. He asked to stay with Crockett on the St. Vitus. Crockett agrees to one night if Stone tells the real story. Stone says his reputation is not really that good in New York City, so he came to Miami to find a local news affiliate to sell his story to the national media. No sale, pal. They would have nailed you before you got 50 yards. It happened. What can I say? Oh, yeah, it might have happened, but only because you set it up. Every news service in the world has got reporters in Nicaragua. And you're trying to tell me that Ira Stone copped the only exclusive out of there on a, on a home movie camera? <laughs> it's a fake. This grieves me deeply, Sonny. All right, why were there two goons after me in the airport? I didn't see anyone. Now, come on, Ira. What's your real scam? Scam? This is a huge story. Right, remember how freaked the public was after the uh, Nixon secret Cambodia bombing? This is bigger. They would kill me to keep this quiet. So anyway, the next morning on the St. Vitus, we find Stone working on deals as Crockett is getting ready to go to work. He tells Stone to feed Elvis and not leave the hatch open because he doesn't want his alligator to escape. We'll see what other choice words Crockett has for uh, Elvis coming up here shortly, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So uh, here we are at OCB. Crockett tells Tubbs about Stone's story as Castillo walks in here. Crockett is starting to moan and groan to Marty about how he can't make undercover deals with the flatbed replacement for the Daytona. Marty tells him his new ride is out back. And they go out back. Ooh, it's a new high-powered Ferrari. And we're kind of thinking, is this bunnies that maybe they confiscated and repainted? Because remember, Bunny Berrigan's was black. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Now he could get back into his style. (laughs) So meanwhile, we're back at the St. Vitus dance. Uh, Stone is still trying to work deals to sell his story and his tapes uh, when he received the call from WLVE. Um, we find out, going ahead a little bit, that the goons here had a reporter call Stone and say that the station, WLVE, is willing to pay twenty five grand, but they've got to authenticate the story first, which makes sense. So now we find Stone at WLVE talking up his story to the receptionist, who's pretty much blasé to everything, I guess. When he sees one of the Fed goons on the camera, uh, on the mon- uh, security camera monitor. So he takes off running and they follow him kind of through the hallways a little bit and through the back of the building, shooting at him. Stone grabs onto the back of one of the WLVE vans and escapes. And this again, I thought the whole thing was kind of odd. Why wouldn't he have Crockett come with him if it was this you know, this tight on the story. Because, you know, Sonny didn't want to have anything to do with it. He was just letting him have a place to stay until he worked out the deal and then can mm-hmm. beat feet from there. So he True. probably would, he, Crockett wasn't even on board with any of this film. So he's like, you're get what you need help. done and then get out of here. So, you know, Ira's not going to call him and say, hey, come with me. So anyway, now we return to St. Vitus stan- dance, Crockett does. And he finds the hatch open, and then he proceeds cautiously. He enters the galley, and he finds Stone blasted 
who recounts having shots thrown his way while he was at WLVE. He tells Crockett it was the goons from the airport. He pleads for Sonny to still help him broker the deal, and Sonny says no. Stone tells him the tape is reruns of Vietnam, only now in Central America. Crockett still says it's a no-go, and then tells him to beat feet by tomorrow. Stone? Here, man. Here. Oh. What the hell are you doing here? We're in big trouble. I got shot at. Here? No, it was downtown at the station when I went to sell my tape. It was the dude from the airport. I told you, man. All right, just chill out. Just chill out. What did he do? Did he shoot you in the hand? No, I, I cut this when I dropped my bottle. Yes, my tape is hot. I know this. All I've got to do is connect with the right people. All you've got to do is help me. Wrong. I'm not involved. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to know what's going on. That's it. Sure, sure. You'd rather just drive around in snappy cars, busting Coke dealers. Wow. You're pushing me. Damn straight, man. What does it take to get you behind me? Nothing. You can't. We're talking about reruns of Vietnam and Central America. That's what this tape was all about. And we're back at OCB here. Trudy asked Crockett if he knows Ira Stone as she receives some notification. It looks like the coming over a teletype or something that he's wanted for murder in Central America. The warrant here is saying that he was posing as a cameraman looking to deal for heroin. The warrant was issued by a federal district court in Miami. So this is really uh, starting to pique the interest of Crockett here and maybe now all the voice because the word heroin pops up, allegedly. Crockett arrives back at the St. Vitus dance and greets Elvis. One of the fed goons emerges from the galley, but pretty much Crockett gets a drop on him and draws down on him. The goon says he's looking for the tape, and Crockett asks who he is, and the goon replies, think of me as a nephew of Uncle Sam. Uh, what Crockett doesn't know, that another goon is still in the galley. Crockett starts to believe Stone's story here, when the other goon essentially gets the drop on Crockett and knocks him cold. So then when uh, Crockett wakes up to the phone ringing, it is Stone who's at Miami International. He tells Sonny that he made a deal with a national network via a local affiliate. As he has this discussion, he hears a phone tap click and he realizes the goon knows where he's at. So Stone relates to Sonny, it was time for him to get the hell out of Dodge. So he headed to the airport. Once he arrives at the airport, he has the two goons still following but probably won't do anything because he's in a public place. He asks uh, Crockett to come get him. He says he's at the ticket counter, and it's for Global Air. Yeah. Finally, where you been? Out. What the hell's going down? Well, I made a real sale. Yeah, to a network through its Miami affiliate, and then I heard a phone tap click in. They knew where I was. I figure I better split. And I got to the airport. And they got uh, two new guys who are following me. You're at the airport? Specifically at the Global Express ticket counter. You've got to pick me up. I'm staying in the wide open spaces where these goons don't work so well. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come to the south end at departures. I'm going to flash my lights three times. When you see that... You haul butt for the door. You got it? Crockett, you're here. So as Sonny is leaving the St. Vitus, he says to Elvis, as a watch gator, you would make hell of a suitcase. Stone wants to hang out at the airport counter so in an attempt to stall 
until Crockett arrives. He asked the ticket agent, who was none too pleased, to book him flights with as many layovers as possible. As this is going on, Sonny's driving there. The agent books him 31 stops, and it was just enough as Crockett arrives to pick him up. Stone says, forget it to her, and leaves her hanging with these all these tickets. She uh, definitely didn't look pleased. Oh, gonna, no, she wasn't. She had she was, she all was, the ticket booklets, like at least 12 or 13 of them, right? She was pissed. And you, you remember those days when you had ticket booklets. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of work for her. So anyway, now Stone is on a move with the goons in tow. He hops in Crockett's new ride and a car chase through the Miami streets is on. Goons are shouting, Crockett outrun, shooting, Crockett outruns them. He's able to slide the Ferrari underneath a tractor trailer, but the goons have no such luck. They order their cars shredded, but they end up surviving. Crockett again asks Ira for the truth and tells him he is wanted for the murder of, and it sounded like he said, Art Eaton in Costa Rica. He is also wanted for running smack. Stone tells him that he had a return fight. In the words of Jack Nicholson, check the tower logs. Uh, Crockett places him in red. <laughs> yes. Crockett places him in protective custody and takes him to OCB for safekeeping. Stone is not thrilled as he has a meeting with a legit reporter, and Sonny says he will cover that. So now we're at a news station building, wherever this reporter is from. Sonny Burnett arrives to meet in place of Stone with a reporter from a, uh, a reporter called Alicia Mina, who wants to know where Stone is at and wants to see the tape to verify. Crockett asks for her ID. She acquiesces. Crockett gives her the tape and says it appears genuine as a lot of people want to kill Stone for it. Mina says that she has to authenticate it before airing, and she tells Burnett to tell Stone that clandestine meetings with slippery characters doesn't make the story any more accurate or believable. You're a real charmer, lady. I try to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice little snarky uh, comment there. <laughs> Oh, boy. So now we end up at an unknown office building where a Judge Savo is introduced to a committee of concerned patriots by none other than Sonny and Stone's old pal, CIA spook Captain Real Estate, William Maynard. We also learn that the goons work for the captain. This committee is a private finance group who are supporting the Contras that are fighting against the Sandinistas. Maynard, the captain, heads this group and is creating a winning army with their financial support. The committee members are skeptical as they have seen no real results in Nicaragua. Maynard throws a bunch of Sandinista ears on the table as proof action is being taken. You know, they're semi-impressed but retort that there are 3 million Sandinistas in country. Maynard says that with their help, he's going to correct that. This just is really getting quite weird for me here. Throwing those ears, the, the necklace of ears, I guess it was. Necklace it was really of weird. ears, yes. <laughs> I think even one of the guys smelled it and was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Last thing I'm going to be doing, something freaky. Flo- uh, Eve me jerky. Up. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be sniffing it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. So now we're at OCB. Crockett learns that stone was released to the feds, allegedly, by Switek, who says that they showed up with paperwork. Crockett confirms with Tubbs that he told Lockup that Stone was not to be moved. Crockett looks for a warrant, and he finds no badge or ID number on it for Agent O'Hara, who picked him up, allegedly. Stan uh, Stan pretty much backpedals here, calls the Dutch Department to learn that there's no such person who works for them. And 
you could right right away tell he's like, oops, I screwed the pooch on this one. Mm-hmm. He tells Crockett everything looked legit except for the name and or the badge number and all that. Crockett gets a call, recognizes this voice, and says that he, I'll meet him. I'll meet you. He tells Tubbs and Switek that it was William Maynard, Captain Real Estate, and wants to trade stone for the tape. Crockett calls Alicia Mina as he needs that tape. So now we're at the newsroom where Crockett and Tubbs meet with Alicia, who is viewing the tape. She is still not convinced that it's real, given Stone's reputation. Crockett tells her someone wants the tape suppressed, and DC will deny it. Alicia has already placed a call to a DC contact, who could ask all the right questions of a statesman to get an unofficial answer, off the record. She asked and received a denial of this clandestine operation. Crockett tells her that Maynard is running an outside covert op for the U.S., Alicia says she still needs facts. Crockett gets pissed and points out O'Hara as one of the goons he saw in Miami International, and he's pointing to the tape that Stone uh, that he she has from Stone. He is part of the people who have Stone, and tell and Tubbs tells her these people won't cut him any slack. Alicia says she will air the story before it gets suppressed. Crockett tells her to make a copy, tell the goons he has the original, so it takes the heat off of her. She declines. Crockett says he needs the tape to keep Stone alive, something Alicia has no interest in, and he slaps some uh, papers off of her desk and he takes off. Uh, yeah, I was Tub- wondering what, I, I thought maybe he threw the phone down or something like that, but. No, I think he just, he, was he just not- cleaned her desk off with his hand. Tubbs tell her he is a little tension. She said, he's just rude. Tubbs says that they are all after the truth. He says that if she has a Nicaraguan contact, call and ask about the priest killed by the Contras the week before, as it will prove the tape is true. She said she has already made that call. He continues by telling her that Crockett and Stone go back a long way. She agrees to make a copy and refer the call. So now we're at some unknown home. It's very sparse. Uh, here we find uh, Stone pretty much tied up, hanging from his ceiling, as O'Hara is watching a news report about the Contras. Stone tells him he'll call Alicia and tell her the tape is a fake. He tells, this guy tells Stone that if she has a tape, Stone will be telling a lot of people it's bogus. And then he jams some shrimp down Iris' throats. <laughs> really. What's the matter? Really Don't you weird. like Chinese? I think they maybe threw this in just for take up time. I don't know. So well, I think I, th- I I think he's jamming his throat because that was halfway choking Ira. So he's really he's trying to convince him you need to give up what you know. Mm-hmm. So now we're outside Maynard's office here. Crockett rolls up to meet Maynard for the tape exchange. Stone is in the van tied up. Maynard wants the tape and Crockett gives it to him. And Maynard has a big kind of satchel hanging off his uh, off off his shoulder here. I thought it was maybe money or something like that, but Maynard sticks a tape in. It's an analyzing machine, um, and right away doing whatever it does, knows that it's a copy. He asks Crockett if he thought he was dumb enough for Crockett to try and pass this off as real. He tells Crockett, bring him the real tape for Stone and don't waste his time again. I thought that was kind of out of character for Maynard. I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance type of thing. Toying with with Sonny. I thought right away he would off Stone right here, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. So we're back at Alicia's office and she's viewing the tape once again. O'Hara creeps in and enters her office behind her, confronts her and asks for the tape. She tries to leave, but he threatens to kill her if she does. He knocks her out with an electric magnet. He demagnetizes the tape and then tells an unconscious Alicia that he cannot leave any witnesses 
He confirms the tapes are wide clean, and then he smashes Alicia's head with the magnet. Uh, the next morning, we find Crockett and Tubbs with homicide detectives telling them they have no leads, no evidence, and want to know what Vice's angle is. Every tape in her office was erased. Tubbs asked Crockett if Stone is still alive. Crockett replies, they did not plan on killing Alicia. They just became sloppy. He reads a fax on her desk and learns that the priest was an American missionary. He also learns that Judge Zarvo signed the warrant for Stone. So now we're at the judge's office here. Crockett and Tubbs box the judge in an elevator and ask him about the warrant. Zarvo told um, the feds, told him that the feds presented a valid request for this warrant and Crockett told him it was false. All this request and information that they gave him was false. He continues to tell the judge that Stone was kidnapped, but Zarvo says his warrant will stand up to any scrutiny. By the end of the conversation, the judge agrees essentially to help Crockett and Tubbs and Crockett asks where Stone is being held. The judge doesn't know, but Maynard left him a number for emergencies. And now at OCB here, Tubbs runs the address through the phone number. And the judge gave the phone number that the judge gave him, 555-9735. Crockett and Tubbs heads to that address. Judge Zarbo. Yes? Does this warrant look familiar to you? Who are you? Concerned citizens from Miami Vice. I'm in a hurry. To do what? Issue some more false warrants? The warrant was genuine. Federal agents I have a working relationship with presented a valid request. I had no reason to believe it wasn't authentic, and I still don't. Stone was pinched on your warrant, but he's not in custody, and he's not on the street. He's kidnapped. I would like to believe that when you issued the warrant, you thought that Stone was on his way to jail. My warrant will hold up under scrutiny. You are detaining me, gentlemen. Listen, pal, if we don't find Stone, Maynard will kill him. So I hope you can handle the heat from a homicide beef because we're going to be the ones lighting the fire. So we're at a holding house now back to where Stone was being held. Uh, Crockett and Tubbs enter to find a place clear, but do find the fresh blood. Crockett tells Tubbs that Maynard will hold Stone alive until he's sure the story is killed. He will make Ira publicly admit the story was fake. On search of the premises, Tubbs finds a transportation order for a depart site Somewhere in the Everglades, Crockett and Tubbs head that way in the new Testarossa. And then we get to the Glades, where the scene shifts to a private contract military personnel boarding a cargo plane bound for Nicaragua. Then we are shifted to another building where O'Hare is torturing Stone by shooting him one bullet at a time in the lake. He wants to know who else is on Stone's team. Stone tells him to go to hell, and he gets shot in the leg for his trouble. O'Hara calls Maynard and says Stone is giving up nothing. He says, keep on going for the next 15 minutes, then basically just off him. Crockett and Tubbs are behind Maynard, hear this conversation, and then draw down to disarm him. They make Maynard take them to Stone. Maynard clicks an open mic on his radio for his guys to hear his convo with Crockett and Tubbs, you would, I don't know why they didn't did take the radio from him so he couldn't do that, but yeah, right. it makes it, it it makes for the rest of this story. As the three arrive to the location, another shot rings out and they hear Stone scream. Crockett and Tubbs drag Maynard inside and then disarm O'Hara. Another reinforcement shows up, and meanwhile, Tubbs tells Stone his injuries are not life-threatening, and Stone says, I guess this is my lucky day. Gunfire erupts as the reinforcement opens fire. Stone is hit. O'Hara is killed along with the reinforcement and Maynard escapes. Sonny tells Stone that he's going to be famous as the story is going to be aired. Stone dies. Crockett and Tubbs race to the cargo plane, but Captain Real Estate escapes once again. So we're on the St. Vitus dance here. 
uh, later on, we probably get in the same day, or I'm sorry, next few days or something. We find Sonny fishing and pretty much just listening to the radio. As you know, he doesn't have a TV. He hears a story about a missionary priest who was killed by Sandinistas after freedom fighters attempt the rescue of this said priest. And he shakes his head in disgust as he knows that the government pretty much killed the story. You can't stop the inevitable flow of history, Crockett. Well, you never know. I can try. Ah, take it easy, Ira. Have me out of here in a minute. None of these are going to kill you, This must be my lucky day. Show's got now, right? Yeah. It's gonna be on the evening news tonight. You're gonna be famous. That's nice. That's romance. Independent sources today confirm Jesuit missionary Father Joseph Mattingly was murdered by the Nicaraguan government Sandinista forces in the village of Ascension. Contra freedom fighters had vainly attempted to rescue the kidnapped priest. A formal U.S. protest is expected. All right, so now we're on to the ratings for this episode. IMDb gives this an 8 out of 10, another high rating. And Mark, this was a big thumbs up for me. It starts with Crockett's old non-buddy, Iris Stone, in Nicaragua. He captures on film what he believes to be American forces running roughshod over the small town of Ascension, killing citizens and a missionary police. He drags a skeptical Crockett into his game of selling the story to the highest bidder. Eventually. Sonny believes Ira after he gets clubbed by the henchman of another returning adversary, William Maynard, a.k.a. Captain Real Estate. At the end, Stone is killed and the captain escapes the clutches of the OCB team once again. This was mainly a Crockett-centric episode as Tubbs, Castillo, Switek, and Big Booty Trudy have limited screen time. Gene and Zeta are nowhere to be found in this episode. Maybe a week off, I guess. Still... This was a str- second strong showing for the new line producer, Dick Wolf. Tim, I like this episode. Definitely a thumbs up for sure. It was a strong story with just a few main players and no side stories to keep track of, which is good. Uh, and again, this is a second rip from the headline plot that Dick Wolf is doing. So far, so good. Definitely making the story believable for sure. Maynard and Stone, obvious. Maynard and Stone, I should say, return. Uh, I knew sooner rather than later they would show up. This could definitely fall into the category of why is Vice on this, but you know, obvi- as obviously as it played out, it's just Crockett helping out his buddy. I'm sure there's guns and such, but obviously it's a Fed case, if anything, not Vice. But again, he's just helping out a friend. Only question I have here is why didn't Crockett run a check on Stone anyways, since he was pretty much known to glorify his antics on whatever the issue was. And then Switek here screwed the pooch in letting Stone be released to, quote unquote, the feds. And since Maynard was so big last time, why didn't all of OCB and Metro pretty much swoop in and check all the angles out about him as well? Why didn't they just go gangbusters? Stone's dead. Maynard ran away. And will we see him again? We will see. And again, I uh, I like the Peter Gabriel song in this episode, Red Rain. Absolutely awesome. Right. Just to speak to your comment about the metros, why didn't OCB Metro swoop in? Yeah, why was it just Crockett and Tubbs heading into Everglades? Mm-hmm. I mean, Castillo was only in it for that very slim little bit. And once yeah. this story, then they, they casted a wider net on this, 
claim or story what was happening in Stone, you would have thought they would have had to check in and update Castillo for stuff. And sure, sure. Th- there was I none mean, of that. Right. The last thing that Stone and Maynard were there for was drugs. So at least check it out, right? <laughs> And we move on to the music here for this episode. First up, we have Mercy by Steve Jones. That's the opening sequence with the gun battle. And at the airstrip where Maynard's troop board the plane back to Nicaragua. When the Rain Comes Down by Andy Taylor. That's when Crockett and Stone are being chased. Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. That's the when Alicia counters O'Hara. And Lives in the Balance by Jackson Brown. That's the end sequence where Maynard escapes and Stone die and mark some jan hammer music that appeared in this episode uh, first one up is stone's war and that's when stone meets crockett at miami international when they're in alicia's office when crockett confronts o'hara and the other agent on the saint vitus crockett and tubbs search alicia's office after her murder and then we had crockett's theme where crockett gets the testarossa he wakes up after being knocked out by the other agent to the goofs fun facts and locations first location we have mark is love 94 studio 194 northwest 187th street in miami and that is the wlve scenes and a fun fact here we've got that the air necklace that maynard presented to salvador this type of thing was frequently used during the vietnam war by soldiers on both sides Another fun fact is, although never stated in the show, it is possible that the Testarossa is in fact Bunny Bergen's from When Irish Eyes Are Crying, confiscated posthumously and resprayed white. As Crockett does comment that it has a new paint when he takes possession. And a goof here, when O'Hara's partner knocks Crockett out on the St. Vitus dance, he hits him over the back of the head with his pistol. When Crockett comes to, blood is coming from the front of his head near his temple. How does he change positions? Okay, let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. Last episode, we asked, when Crockett and Tubbs meet with Eddie K to purchase the weapons, Popo, a.k.a. Tubbs, insinuates that Eddie has a problem conducting business with a black man. What does Eddie say in response? Take a listen. It's always better to be safe than sorry. Right, Sonny? To your store, pal. Eddie K. Topo Manieri. So, I understand you're going to be killing some of my kind of folks. Does that bother you? No, I'm colorblind. As long as the money's green. And, Tim, this show's trivia question is, after the cameraman is killed and Stone takes off, what banner and sign is on the wall of a building when showing some of the villagers running around. A little hint here, it's for a common medicine. You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at mammyvice at duck.com. And now we've arrived at Snurd's Chalkboard of Wisdom, where we hope to inspire, enlighten, or make you snicker a little. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere, through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts, a simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement. 
or funny quip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This episode's quote is, It's too big of a world to be in competition with everybody else. The only person I have to be better than is who I am right now, Colonel Sherman T. Potter from MASH. We encourage everyone listening to be a positive force in not only your life, but others as well. It's contagious and can make our world a better place. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this review. We hope you found this episode exciting and entertaining. If you enjoyed it, please consider subscribing to the podcast and following us on our social media channels to stay updated on our latest episodes and fun content. On Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, we are Vice of Miami Podcast. Your support means everything to us. And if you've got a spare moment, please, we'd really be uh, absolutely and great, uh, grateful if you could leave us a rating and review on those channels. This really helps us out in reaching more listeners and continue to make great content. Thanks again for listening, and we can't wait to share more with you soon. So we'll catch you next time on the Vice of Miami Podcast on show 51, covering episode 3. Kill shot. Now. Mellow out, pal.